I pray that God, the Holy Trinity, gives me the power to speak about this great and profound mystery that we celebrate today on Trinity Sunday. It's quite frequent for the preacher to talk about the Trinity in terms of love, and I think I'm going to just follow suit in that regards. St. John, in his first epistle, says, God is love. God is love. It's a very profound statement. God is an eternal communion of love. And He is that. He is love, not just in relation to creation, but He is that in and of Himself. Regardless of whether or not the world ever came into existence, God would be a communion of love. Nonetheless, the world has come into existence. God has created us. And this truth has very profound implications for us. From all eternity, God the Father conceived of each one of us individually and decreed to bring us into existence in time. We uh, think of our parents. It's an amazing thing to think about. Not, not everybody has a positive experience with their parents, but I think, you know, child relationship with their parent can be a, a good, a good uh, reference point for understanding God's love. For the most part, it's the experience of human beings that they were loved first before they were able to love. That when each one of us was consumed in, uh, conceived in our mother's womb, our mother loved us before we were developed enough to be able to return that love. So also with our father. We were loved well before we could love. And we came into the world in this embrace of parental love. That's all the more so true for God, who didn't love us just before our birth, but he loved us before our conception. He loved us before humanity ever existed. He loved us before the creation of the world itself. As long as God has been God, he has conceived us in his divine intellect and has loved us with his divine will. And moreover, this is something I, I talked about on the, the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, God in his infinite creativity could have made innumerable numbers of people other than ourselves as individuals, but he chose to make us, to make us as an individual. He chose to bring us into existence out of nothing. He, as it were, passed over all of these other possibilities innumerable possibilities, and he chose to bring into existence us in our particular individuality. And that is an expression of his great love for us, the level of just our creation, even apart from sin. But after sin came into human history, God continued to love us. He didn't have to. God could have left mankind in sin. We were not entitled to salvation, God was not bound 
by justice to save man after the entrance of sin into human history. But he did it out of the superabundance of his love. The second person of the Trinity, God the Son, became man and he entered into the world to redeem us and to save us from sin. He could have done it different ways than how he did do it. God could have just decreed that on condition of each person's repentance, I forgive them their sins. But he decided to make an atonement. And not just any kind of an atonement, a fully adequate atonement. You see, God could have actually decreed that there would be a sort of a token atonement. He could have had a prophet like Isaiah or Moses or some prophet that we could think of die for our sins. And that would not have been an adequate atonement, but God would have said, I, I accept that as a token atonement for the sin of humanity. And he could have left it at that. But again, he went beyond that. He decided to provide a fully adequate atonement. Because only God can appease God, God himself became one of us and died to make atonement for our sins. God himself did the job. And not only did he suffer for our sins, but he suffered for our sins to the point of the crucifixion. If Jesus had just shed a single drop of blood, that would have been sufficient for our atonement. But he didn't do that. He, he went way beyond that. And he did that out of love. He lived a life of great labor, of great strife, of great tension, conflict, stress. When he preached in the days of his earthly ministry, he was opposed by all manner of forces and people. And it wasn't peaches and cream. It was, it was difficult work that he did. But he did it all with us, each of us, individually, at heart and in mind, for love of us, going so far as to undergo the passion, to be tortured, to be whipped, to have his flesh stripped from his, his bones, and then to be nailed to a cross and to expire in that, in that gruesome and ignominious of a manner, that humiliating manner. But he did that out of love for us, each one of us. And he would have done it for each one of us individually if we had been the only sinner on the face of this earth. He would have done everything that we read about him doing in the Gospels. That's how much he loves us, each individually. And then he sent the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, we have to understand that every salvific act that we have ever made in our hearts, with our minds, in our life, every act of faith, every act of hope, every act of love, every act of contrition that we have ever made has been merited for us by Jesus Christ and given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those salvific acts that bring us into communion with God and that affect the forgiveness of sins in our hearts those are not something that we come up with from our own resources. Those are gifts given to us, earned by Jesus and given by the Holy Spirit. What awesome love this is. In our second reading from St. Paul, he says that the love of God is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. We can imagine a kind of, a, as it were, a pitcher of water poured out for each one of us. 
It's as if each one of us as individuals is so special that we consume the, the entirety, the totality of God's love. That's how much. He loves us as if there was no other person in existence. Each of us individually. And I think that, in fact, this is hard for us to accept. I think it's easy for us to say, well, we know God loves us in general. But I think it's difficult for us to say that God loves me as an individual, me personally. So I'm going to do a little exercise with this all. Bear with me. I'm going to have you guys repeat something after me three times. Okay, so all together, after I'm going to, I'll say it and then we repeat it, okay? God loves me. Can we do that? God loves me. God loves me. Third time. God loves me. That is an amazing truth, and we've got to live it in our reality. What could possibly be, what could possibly be, be wrong in the world when ultimately that is the truth, that God loves us individually? What kind of disappointment or loss or heartache or misunderstanding or conflict could we ever face in life that would really ultimately be able to overcome us when the truth of the matter is that God loves us so much and loves us individually? Moreover, what other kind of love in our life could compete with this great love that's been poured out into our hearts? What, other, what kind of disordered affection or unhealthy attachment might we have in our hearts that could possibly compete with a love so great, with a divine love so great? St. Francis de Sales has a great saying, I love it. He says, when the house is on fire... Everything's thrown out the windows. When the house is on fire, everything's thrown out the windows. You see, when the house of our heart is on fire with the love of God, there's nothing else. There's no sin that can compete with it. We get it all out of, a, out of our system. We forget about it. It's not because it's all about, no, 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 you can't do this, you can't do that. It's about a yes, a more positive, fundamental, burning, all-consuming love that is in the center of us and, and rules us. And then moreover, my brothers and sisters, what person could we not forgive? What kind of sin that's been sinned against us could we not forgive for the sake of the love of God? So much forgiveness and so much love has been shown to us. And we now, because of that, have the love of God in our hearts so that we can forgive others no matter how bad they have been to us. So that we can be at peace so that we no longer have to cherish enmity in our hearts so that we can be in harmony with one another and forgive each other. Now normally I'd end my homily right here. I've got to add a little addendum here. I've got an announcement that I am very sad uh, to be able to, to have to say um, that uh, I'm going to be leaving uh, St. Mary's Parish at this time of the year, oftentimes different appointments come about and the, uh, our, our bishop along with the personnel board of the diocese, they try to make the best decisions for everybody, taking into account the entire diocese and sometimes people get shifted around, a, a priest dies or goes into retirement and that sort of thing. So I've been asked to take up a ministerial responsibilities uh, in Clyde's, 
so good news is not too far from my beloved Auburn. Uh, and I had hoped to be here indefinitely, but I guess that's not what the Lord had in mind uh, for, for me. And uh, I will very much miss you all. And speaking of the love of God, I do love each one of you individually. I don't, unfortunately, know all of you personally. And, um, but I know that I have ministered out of love to you all for short two years. And I, I believe that we will know and, and love one another as friends and have that personal relationship in eternity. And so that's the beautiful thing about the love of God is that when we are firmly rooted in it, it's eternal. And so also are we in our relationships with one another. So God bless you all. Let us worship the Trinity and be firmly rooted in that love that is the Trinity.